who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York, I'm in Chicago, and I'm in L.A., but we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here, mapping timelines here, or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. 
are back again for another week of geeky goodness here on the show. Excited to talk about all these subjects. You know, sometimes we get into stuff and there's like, you know, it's fun conversation. This is going to be a little bit of a uh, deeper show, some some tough subjects to talk about, also some fun subjects to talk about. But, hey, we can't control the news. We just talk about it and report on it for sure. But let's uh, go around the horn and introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. I am the in-law, Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and content. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm the phase law because martian manhunter phases i'm trying to find a thing anyways wow. i'm an animation wow. writer and a television actor uh, you might with, not with, be an animation writer after that joke. <laughs> with with writing the way it works is you want to get the clunkers out first sure sure so, sure sure yeah <laughs> let's get the bad stuff out sure, of the way sure. yeah <laughs> That sounds good. Yeah, certainly. We're going to get into some uh, stuff here today. We're going to talk about the Marvel, uh, the Eternals leak. We're talking about Marvel pushing those movies back. We're going to talk about the Netflix situation with Dave Chappelle and these walkouts and uh, Ted Sarandos' reaction to all this stuff. We're going to get in some trailers. And our main topic is going to get into the Ruby Rose situation, these claims from both sides, both Warner Brothers and Ruby Rose, kind of launching these nuclear missiles at each other over this situation on Batwoman. I can't believe we're still talking about that first season right on the precipice of the third season and right after DC Fandom previewed the third season. Interesting timing on all these accusations. So that's going to be our main topic. And the way the show works is, for those of you who are new, thanks for joining us. For those of you coming back, you know we talk about, we present one geek news item each of us does in the first block, talk about it, then we take a quick break and jump into our main topic, which is that Ruby Rose topic. So, Mike, I think you're starting us off with some Marvel goodness. What do we got? Uh, I think I am, but we got a couple Marvel bits of things going on. Um, the first bit, which uh, happened at the beginning of this week, is Marvel announced that they were moving all of their movies back. Uh, I believe it was Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of came out and said that everything was getting pushed back by a couple months. So that basically means that uh, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, is still coming out at the same time. But as we get into 2022, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, The Marvels, and Ant man and the wasp quantumania are all just kind of moving back a slot so mm -hmm. while it's not great news it's not we don't get a marvel movie for a year and a half news which is what we just survived so right. you know but even despite the fact anytime there's news about a marvel movie there's lots of theorizing and conjecturing and everybody was like oh is this a reaction to uh the poor box office of black widow and wanting to make sure that they ensure better box mm. office some people were thinking that with dc fandom last weekend and the batman trailer coming out it scared marvel and they wanted to get as far away from that trailer as possible because <laughs> they didn't want dr strange to come out at the same time as the batman i don't think they're super worried about that but that is a theory that was out there in the universe um but uh kevin feige at the eternals premiere this week uh, told Daily Variety uh, that it was production shifts and changes. We have so many slots, we can't. We can just shift the slots around. And so, uh, given the fact that a lot of Disney movies are actually getting pushed back uh, for similar reasons, just that even though we're mostly out of COVID and things are getting back to normal, it's still definitely uh, affected production schedules, production timelines, and even things in post production are taking a while to get done. So, uh, you know. Could it be something more uh, interesting than that? Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does sound like this is just a typical thing, and we just have to wait a couple more months to see how mad the multiverse actually is. Yeah. Um, but 
Speaking of the Eternals premiere, the other uh, bigger piece of news, and don't worry, we are not going to spoil anything, but uh, <laughs> at the Eternals premiere on Monday night uh, that my fellow geek buddy Johnny here and I were at, a um, bunch of people saw the movie, bunch of people came out and uh, gave their first reactions to the Eternals. Yeah. Um, Matt Donnelly um, from Variety decided to tweet uh, something that is pretty much a spoiler. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Big arguments about how much of a spoiler it actually is. Uh, I am not going to read his tweet. I am not going to say what the spoiler was. I will say that having just watched the movie with John, I was very surprised that somebody would come out of the movie and tweet that since, uh, you know, they're pretty they're pretty specific on you can give a reaction. We don't yeah. want you to give spoiler. We don't want to give reviews. We don't want anything. And this seems like it was a pretty big thing. So it kind of sparked a big discussion on the Internet. Um to reveal something that Marvel has clearly kept secret three whole weeks before the movie comes out definitely doesn't feel like it is uh, within the realm of time that you should be discussing something on Twitter in general. Yeah. And the fact that somebody from like a massive publication decided to throw that out there uh, definitely rubbed some people wrong. And of course, Twitter being Twitter, that then sparked the backlash to that comment, which was people saying that that didn't really count as a spoiler and it was big enough news that it would have come out anyway. And why are you belly aching about things? Because you can still go enjoy the movie even if you know that thing. So given that we deal with a lot of geek topics and uh, have a lot of geeks that are listening to us, uh, I wanted to ask you two what you thought about not just this specific situation, but in the world that we live in right now, what what are the rules on spoilers in your guys' opinion? Well, it's a great question. I, I want to hit the first part of your story first, the Marvel stuff. Deadline is saying that it's production-related with the COVID stuff and everything like that, but I also think because they're still filming Black Panther 2 in Atlanta, so there's there have been a lot of moving around. So it just makes sense if maybe they just want to take a little bit of time. Plus, as we said, Mike, as you mentioned rather earlier, people are reacting to these in real time now, to, and, and there's gaps. So maybe Marvel is seeing, okay, this reaction to Black Widow, okay, we got to make some adjustments here. This reaction to our TV series, they make some adjustments here. This reaction to uh, to what may be coming out with Shang-Chi, oh, sorry, what came up with Shang-Chi and what may be coming in Eternals. Let's see what this reaction is. So maybe they're just kind of hedging their bets a little bit and pushing back. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And look, there was a world where we didn't even get Marvel movies consistently every year. Okay, so there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, I know it's before you know some of you were born, but there was a time where we we didn't get Marvel movies once a year. So the fact that we're only getting three only, it's okay. We're going to fucking live, okay? So people can calm down about that. But the spoiler thing, having been in this business for five years, uh, five or six years now, I guess, spoilers are very much a holy grail type of thing. Like you don't, just go willy-nilly into that. You don't reveal this stuff because there's a response, an unspoken, well, at times spoken, uh, responsibility you have. If you have access to see these things early, it's a gift. It's a blessing for you to be able to go to these premieres or go to these screenings early. And your responsibility as a critic, as a pundit, as a writer is to not ruin things for the audience because the audience is not going to get a chance to watch this. It's not going to get a chance to watch it early. They're going to watch it on the day it comes out uh, and stuff like that. So you've got to preserve that film-going experience for the audience. And that's something that almost all of us take very sacredly. Now, have I uh, stumbled a couple of times thinking something yes. wasn't a spoiler? Was yes, yes, I have. You know, that's different. Friend stuff is different than, like, actually what I do for my career. Uh, that is different, right? And I've done that a couple of times, unbeknownst to me thinking it was a spoiler. Uh, I didn't know. Because there's some people who don't even watch trailers, and they'll think you're you're spoiling stuff. 
even though it's in the trailer. So you've got to be aware of that all the time. I think there was a real uh, hubris here, a cockiness from Don. I've never met Matt Donnelly in my that I can remember, but there is a there's a little bit of a uh, I don't know, just a bit of a cockiness here to reveal three spoilers. Mike, I'm looking at the I'm looking at his tweets that were screen grabbed. There's three or four spoilers that these revealed here that are in the and it's just why why would you reveal these things what's the point of it are you trying to make your name for yourself or is this another one of those instances where someone is kind of using their position to elevate themselves by doing something controversial it's not out of the realm possibility that pundits critics and reviewers have an ego and want to be the one person people turn to for information and if he was to get fired for this as you said, the backlash, people would follow him to his next job. So he would have some cachet to negotiate a salary, negotiate uh, uh, benefits, negotiate attention. That happens. So he may have done this in a way innocently, or he may have done this in a way that was calculated for himself and for his um, uh, website, for his for Variety. So it's, it's kind of shocking because Variety is one of the top – Variety and Hollywood Reporter are pretty much the top two – so to violate that kind of unwritten rule between the fan, between the viewers and the uh, critics or reviewers is uh, a bit shocking. And the fact that he hasn't been fired yet or hasn't been really punished in any way, shape or form that we know of kind of speaks volumes of maybe Variety knew what he was going to do and wanted to do this for whatever reason. So those are my thoughts overall. Sure. Yeah, as far as the movies getting pushed back, like I was super, I was super bummed about that mm. because I was really looking forward to. We get one in November, we get one in December, we get one in March, we get one in May, we get one in July, we get right. one in like in November. Like I was really, really looking forward to that. So the fact that that was taken off the table, it's like, oh, okay, you know that happens. I, I don't think that they were scared of the Batman because yeah. there were. There were going to be three weeks in between the Batman's release date and Doctor Strange's release date. I don't think you move an entire schedule based off of a movie that more than likely at that point won't necessarily have run out of steam. But any sort of box office competition is most likely gone three weeks in, mm. generally, generally, unless it's unless it's just, you know, it, it, it's it's like Titanic, like something that just catches fire which is certainly possible but again i don't think that i don't think that the batman and the fandom trailer I, I don't think that had anything to do with it the thing that did bum me out was looking at 2023 how they did remove um for right now two marvel kind of uh release oh, dates that they had right. announced right um and one of them was that october release date and for me i'm like oh that was going to be blade's spot and i really mm. wanted that i really was looking forward to us having our Halloween Marvel movie. I thought that would have been great. And it could still happen. Like that could that could come back. Right. Um but to the spoilers thing, I think when you have a a studio that 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 is as big as Marvel and then you you factor in DC, you factor in Star Wars. Um the first weekend a movie comes out, it's like, yeah, stay off social media cuz you know there are there are going to be some people who may inadvertently spoil it, or some people that just get a kick out of it, and those yeah. people are those people sure. are able um, to do it. Yeah, yeah. And three real quick, weeks. Shane, fans have spoiled stuff when studios have been right. gracious enough to let fans go and see this thing early. Sometimes they've stupidly spoiled stuff for their own benefit or attention. Right. Sorry, Shane. Go ahead. But three weeks, yeah, before a movie comes out, it's like that's really not cool. And whether or not, like. 
he he is dismissed from his job, I would have to think. And again, John, you would be able to speak to this better mm. than I. Um, that from here on in, Marvel's like he ain't coming. Like no way. Maybe I I think because Variety is so big, I don't under I don't know. Well, I mean, did, I mean no one. It's yeah, no one. Him. But, right, exactly, and no one messes with the mouse, right, Shannon and Mike. Like the mouse is top dog right now. But my uh, my um, uh, the guy who the, one of the people who gets us these uh, these uh, invites, uh, and I'm proud to say my friend Marshall, he tweeted out. He said, "For those people releasing spoilers or releasing these leaks, we see you." That's what he said. We see you. So it is very possible that Variety has kind of that rather Matt Donnelly has kind of sacrificed his ability to go see these things. I doubt Variety will be sacrificed, but oh, maybe not. Matt Donnelly. Yeah. But but you wonder going forward, like if this is sort of a shoot your shot moment mm. and it's like, all right, this I might burn a bridge here, but this is for my career going forward. I would have to think that uh, he would he would kind of be blackballed. Like it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter if you set up your own shop. If you are not right. getting invited to this stuff ahead of time, you've kind of all, all the wind has kind of been taken out of yourself. Now, once the movie is out, you know, we saw within game within right. under two weeks they were using footage from the third act to promote it. So, well, the first weekend, yes. After that, you're kind of you're kind of rolling the dice. And I know it's not I mean, fair because a lot of a lot of folks don't have a life where you can just go right. and see a movie opening weekend. You got other responsibilities. You got kids, you know. So, but yes, three weeks out, that's that's messed up. Or, or as I we mean, found out in Shang Chi, it's not even open in that country in Australia and other places. They didn't even right. open at the same time as the U.S. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say I think I mean I remember when the uh, when the Infinity War and Endgame came out. You know, I think mm. the Russo brothers on Twitter posted like, "Let's please go." I think it was like fourteen days or something. Right. Like they actually said a specific, "Hey, why don't we all hold hands on this and do this?" And I do think in general most people are good with spoilers. Kind of to Johnny's point, I mean, this really reminds me of like Comic Con and when the studios mm. come down to Comic Con and they show exclusive footage that it's just for the fans there, and they're like, "Please don't record this. Please don't do this." And inevitably somebody does, and it turns into a big thing about how fans are so irresponsible but to see somebody who actually is like a high level uh critic working for a major publication do this now i i will like offer a different I, whether no none of us know why he tweeted it right. i'll offer a slightly different take which is he doesn't really think the things he said are spoilers and he was really excited when he came out of the movie and he said it because a big part of the conversation that's kind of going on around this right now and it's you know it's hard to say without getting into the specifics of the spoiler but like we said right. we're not going to get into it um there is a argument to be made that this is this information doesn't affect the plot of the movie or the events of the movie in any mm. way. Now, I'm not saying I agree with it, right. but I'm saying that there is a chance Homeboy came out of the movie and said, that was great. This happened. This is this. This is this. Sent it off. And then everyone was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I think that really gets to the heart of how I feel about spoilers. I was tweeting mm. about this yesterday and some people disagreed with me about it, but... I think that if you're not sure, don't do it. Exactly. I think that I think that we live in a world where it's a basic respect thing. Like there are certain people that are like, I don't care if I know this. It's not going to ruin my enjoyment of the movie. I can right. go enjoy the movie. I've been reading articles about it where their whole articles are like, look, you can enjoy Empire Strikes Back now. And we all know that Darth Vader is Luke's father, but it's still a cool movie. I'm like, sure, that's great. But why are you robbing somebody of the opportunity to see the movie the way they want? And if somebody yeah. wants to go in having not seen anything, not heard anything, as hard as that is in the pop culture world that we live in, yeah. um, don't make it harder. 
You know, just like mm-hmm. there's and particularly with some of the stuff that he revealed, it's stuff that Marvel clearly hasn't announced. It's stuff that isn't yeah. in any of the trailers. It's stuff that isn't in any of the press materials. And so if Marvel is keeping it under wraps, maybe just follow their lead. That's the thing at the end of the you This isn't like a random reporter at a small outlet who like got excited and tweeted. This is a guy of variety. You you don't get to variety and be some kind of novice. Like they, you know the business and you know the the system. You know the patterns. You know what you can and can't do. In fact, if he was, you run it by your editor before you tweet it. I think at that stage, um, I'm sure that happens. Or maybe even walk up to the publicist who is literally standing out there saying hi to everybody. Marshall was there the whole time. He could have easily walked up to the publicist. Hey, I'm tweeting this. Is this okay? And so this is the thing. If you're revealing, yeah, you're not revealing plot points. But what he revealed was massive for uh, Marvel uh, on a couple of, of the couple of those reveals, and I think that's where the mistake is made. And and to me, I can't give him the benefit of the doubt because it's Variety. I'd give him the benefit well, of the doubt if he's at a small publication or a small website or he's his own starting his own thing. Like I've been doing on Outlaw Nation, that I can maybe and even me, I would I would vilify myself because I've been at Collider and I know what the requirements are. So you, I just can't give him any kind of grace that. on this. You say that, but as soon as he tweeted it. A couple other small-time publications like Newsweek and Vogue and a bunch of others (laughs) picked up the story and ran with it too. So by your your argument, it's not just that he did something, but a bunch of other people at large publications Mm said, oh, we should run with this story. And nobody was like, ooh, maybe this isn't a thing. So once it's out there, it's out there. But like – so I do think that – it's more than just one rogue journalist who was like, I'm going to make my bones on this thing. Like, I think it just kind of gets into the bigger discussion of geek culture, spoiler culture. And, Mm -hmm. and honestly, I think at the end of the day, it just gets down to, I'm not, nobody's got, I mean, Marvel has rules and they might ding him because Marvel is allowed to make rules. You're not allowed to say this. And if you did say this, you can't come to my sandbox anymore. Don't stay off my playground. But for the rest of us, I think it really does boil down to like, let's just be respectful and let people enjoy shit the way they want to enjoy it. That's basically it. And and I hear what you're saying about them picking up the outlets, picking up this. Of course they did because now it's news. So now that it's out there and it's news to them, they don't want to be scooped. So they want to talk about it and jump on it. So that's what it is. And I think that's what he was doing in essence for his publication. And he may get a slap on the wrist, but in the end, Variety gets the scoop about these spoilers before anybody else, any other outlet. And maybe somebody who is, maybe some other people who are connected to Marvel or Disney got a chance to even see this even earlier and didn't spoil it. This guy decided to spoil it, and you wonder if maybe this goes up the chain a little bit with Variety, and this was done on purpose. Because we don't know what the numbers are for these online uh, publications now, and and people certainly are turning on reviewers, turning on critics, turning on these publications more and more. Are they down? Are these numbers down? Is this a way to spark controversy? Get clo- You know, we're not living in the world of kumbaya Certainly, we've seen many, many people use controversy to elevate themselves or their website or their um financial possibilities in this world you know and that, that to me seems like just a, a a mistake you can't make uh and and it's not like he made it once like the tweet had multiple spoilers so i just think it's poor form peter poor form yeah yeah and and the way one of them is presented it's like come on man you knew <laughs> you don't yeah. you don't do that yeah that's why I don't I don't give him any grace. But Michael, I hear your point. You know, I hear your point. We we there's just an unwritten rule. You don't do that. 
you know, and if you do do that, you immediately take it down. You offer a mea culpa, you know, offer that. And I haven't seen, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I haven't seen anything where he's offering that to anybody. I have not. I have not. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, Michael makes, Michael makes excellent this idea of a spoiler, but this could, and, and, and this is maybe the last way to wrap it up. This could affect if we start to, I mean, if we start to lose the ability to go to these screenings, this could affect a lot of people and a lot of websites and YouTube channels, their bottom lines. You know, well, the, the idea of having access to this stuff, there's a reason people turn to you because you have this access. You can comment on it. So. Well, it's a push and a pull. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Like Marvel slash Disney uh, can dictate whatever they want. Right. But at the same time, they also want people talking about their movie. Of course. Uh, of two, course. three weeks ahead of time. And, you know, this is probably not what a lot of the creators would like people to be talking about. But right. they want people talking and engaging. And so they're always going to want people to see something early and go out on social media and say, oh, my God, it was great. Oh, you got to see it for yourself. Oh, this is going to be amazing. So I don't think they're ever going to just, like, stop letting people watch things. But they might change the way they do some stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever experienced this, Mike, on your end uh, with any spoilers of any stuff that you've done? Oh, man, the bronies hacked (laughs) into VHX a bunch of times. What? You don't even know. There were so many hacks. You would get, we'd be coming into work, we'd be like, oh, it's a nice day, what's going on? Oh, season five was hacked, the scripts and designs are out there. What? Oh, it happened all the time. <laughs> what? And look, I'll wow. tell you, how do I say it? it, it it's horrible. Like, when you've been working on stuff and you have surprises and you want things to be oh. uh, out there, um, yeah. you don't want things to be out there, rather, uh, it sucks and you get super annoyed about it and you're like, god damn it. Now they know about this, but <laughs> the flip side of this, and this is what I mean about Marvel and Disney not shutting down all communication is, right? yeah, no publicity is bad publicity, and you'd rather have people talking about you than not. Like, it, you know what would be worse for Marvel? Is if Variety said, hey, this about this next movie, and everybody went, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so... I still think it's bad. I think spoiler it, spoilers are bad. I think we should yeah. all be respectful of each other when we think about geek culture and spoiler culture. Also, there's a level of, well, this sucked, but boy, it's good that people are this upset about it because it's better to be upset than not give a shit. That's a fair point. That's an absolutely <laughs> fair point. Um, all right. Well, as if we haven't had enough controversy, let's move on to this. This, uh, week, uh, <laughs> this week is like a take like take your uh, take take a take some sip calming tea before you watch geek buddies like this is an intense episode there's a lot to everyone's mad this week there is i mean uh you know mercury's in retrograde i think all this stuff is falling apart i don't know i don't follow that stuff maybe it is but let's move on to this netflix ted serendus story serendus story i hope i'm saying his name right i don't know um there this has been building and building dave Chappelle. for those you don't know and if you've been under a rock i can tell you that dave Chappelle dropped his sixth special which is part of his contract with netflix Call the closer, and we talked about it on the show. Certainly, we spoke about the reactions to some of the things that he said. Michael watched it. Shannon, I think you watched it. I watched it, and there was uh, just yeah, you could tell there was these jokes that were just kind of off base, and the transphobia it really kind of promoted transphobia, promoted homophobia. In my opinion, other people can certainly comment it on our show when we talked about it. Felt that it was not that, but you know, everyone's allowed their opinion. But there was certainly a very strong backlash to this. And uh, today, as we're recording this, 
group of people at Netflix and other protesters got together protesting outside Netflix and outside, uh, sorry, protesting outside Netflix and making it very clear that this was uh, not going to stand this kind of reaction by Ted Serendis, who was like saying, hey, this is, you know, freedom of speech. And, you know, we support all people. And even Hannah Gadsby, who had kind of been looped into this and mentioned by Ted Serendis, she said, take your name out of my fu- out of your fucking my name out of your fucking mouth. Like she went hard at him to kind of push against this idea that the, him trying to use um, uh, people who are, uh, uh, you know, LGBTQ community to support the fact that he's allowed, that Chappelle's allowed to say these kinds of things uh, uh, under Netflix's banner was kind of slapped back into his face. And then he, they, they uh, apparently what, they fired three, they, yeah, they fired three of the employees. One of them was pregnant. So there was all kinds of stuff that went on to how well, he then they, did this. They yeah, did rehire those three, though. Yeah, they did. But still, they fired them initially. They suspended them for crashing a meeting uh, uh, there that was happening. So, so much happened uh, behind the scenes of this. And now Ted Serendis is doing interviews all over the place saying, hey, I made a mistake. I didn't handle this well. This was a serious uh, judgment, uh, error in judgment on my part. So I ask you two gentlemen, this is a lot that Ted Serenus has taken on that I don't think he anticipated here with his glib response to people who were upset about the Dave Chappelle situation. And listen, a lot of people who like just like supported Matt Donnelly for tweeting what he tweeted in those spoilers. A lot of people have come out to support Dave Chappelle and the things he had to say. And a lot of people in the black community, a lot of people in the com- stand up comedy community are really supporting Chappelle and the fact that he had a right to say what he said. And people are saying, really? He, you're proving his point because you're all getting mad because he went after trans people. But when he was talking about black people and making racial jokes at black people's expense, no one was organizing walkouts. No one was organizing protests. So this is a very interesting issue to contemplate with multiple uh, um, dimensions to it. What do you guys think? Take it away, Mikey. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. Thank you so much for graciously uh, offering me the floor. Well, no one's champing at the bit to hear what I have to say. <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, you know, first of all, since we did talk about this a few weeks on the show yeah. and, like, definitely, like, a lively conversation in the comments chain about it afterwards, I think it's, like, I just want to be clear on the fact that, like, uh, as John said, like, I watched the entire special. Yeah. Uh, and did respond to the entire special. And I do agree with what a lot of people in our comments said, uh, is that I know that Dave Chappelle's goal with that special was ultimately to make a point about his humor, yes. his humor as it uh, pertains to the trans community, the LGBTQ community. Um, and by ending it with a story about his friend, the trans stand-up comedian, uh, who he gave a shot to do his opening act, who then took her life after the mm-hmm. fact... Uh, not because of that, but for, for other reasons, uh, you know, his attempt was to make a point about the way that the, uh, that, 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 that groups and communities like the trans community, the LGBTQ community came after him clearly based on the reaction from the trans and LGBTQ community, it didn't do what it was intended to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, it, if his whole point is that empathy is bisexual, as he says at the end of his act, yeah. Uh, that's a two-way street, and clearly the other side of the equation, the other side of this argument, is not feeling the empathy from him because you can see the response. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like John said, a lot has happened since then. You know, three uh, employees uh, went into a meeting, um, were fired for. Oh, sorry, going they were into suspended. The then suspended, they were reinstated. So and I then apologize reinstated afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, um, another employee, uh, B. Pagels Minor, I think I'm, mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, who was a former program manager at Netflix, was let go for. Uh, ostensibly releasing a lot of uh, confidential, sensitive yeah. information about their ratings and their metrics to Bloomberg. Um, she, They say they didn't do it. Netflix says they did. So like a lot of stuff there. And like John said, as we're recording this, massive protests outside. Yeah. So it's interesting to me only because like the, you never know where the culture war is gonna find its epicenter. Like, you know, if you go any day, any given day on Twitter, someone's offended about one thing, other people are offended that those people are offended, everybody argues about it, everything is turned into a thing. I'm actually really surprised that we are here out a few weeks after discussing the Chappelle special when it aired, Mm -hmm. and not only is this still being discussed, but it's building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone, as you said, uh, you know, Damon Wayans was asked about it on TMZ. He supports Dave Chappelle, kind of yeah. saying that he's, you know, he's going out there and like fighting for the rights of comedians to say what they want to say. Um, Elliot Page, Jonathan Van Ness, a bunch of other trans, queer, non-binary uh, actors, performers, personalities are kind of siding on the other side of it and saying mm-hmm. Netflix has to do better. Uh, Netflix has a, you know, Netflix is an environment as a company and a corporation that is very uh, diverse and really friendly to that diversity but they're dealing with a lot of employees internally that are really really fed up so Mm -hmm. i don't really know where this is gonna land i think where i stand on the subject is pretty clear and obvious but i find it more interesting i think that i don't know how we find a middle ground on it i guess that's what i find interesting you know even in our comments chains there doesn't seem to be a well here's where we can all agree there Mm. seems to be if you didn't think it was funny, you don't like Dave Chappelle, and I'm going to fight you because I do like Dave Chappelle. Right. And the fact is, all three of us, I think, uh, aside from this act and kind of this part of his comedy, mm-hmm. uh, think Dave Chappelle's really funny, think Dave Chappelle's a really brilliant comedian. So I'm just curious, I guess, where the resolution is. Like, where the resolution is in how we deal with stand-up comedy, how we deal with what comics say, which mm-hmm. comics can say what, which comics shouldn't say what. Um, I think I said this either to you guys or to somebody else, but... Oh, I think I said it on the show, actually. Mm. Uh, that, you know, like, if... Like, to your point, John, Dave Chappelle doing uh, an entire act about the black community, about the black experience, mm. about what it's like to be black in America on any subject... As a black man, I think he can stand up and say a lot of that stuff, and it hits in the right way. People really respond to what he says. Yeah. If a white comedian got up and made the exact same jokes that he did, I don't know that that would sit as well. Right. And similarly, I don't think it's unfair to say that someone who is a straight cisgender comedian getting up and doing a 90-minute riff on the trans community doesn't sit as well as a trans person or an LGBTQ person doing it. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is, um, but the fact that this is still going on, that it's building, it's like, I'm kind of like, how do we find that middle ground? Well, Shannon, if I could interject before you start here real quick. I think Shannon's fine with that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm reading this USA Today article uh, real quick as you spoke, Michael, and they're covering, because this is dropping, like, you know, as we're recording this, these uh, articles are dropping. This was literally like 30 minutes ago. Um, uh, there, there was the protester in Hollywood. The protest is happening right now. 150 people 
are there. It's next. It's near Netflix's Hollywood offices. Rally organizer Ashley Marie Preston said she and other members of the community had invited Chappelle, quote, on multiple occasions to have a to have transformative conversations, but he made it clear it is not of interest to him. So you ask where the middle ground is. The middle ground is don't go hide away and just go, you know, go get uh, uh, supported by a bunch of people out there. Step forward and hear from the other side. That's how you do this. Yes, I know comedians want to say whatever. And yes, you can joke about whatever the fuck you want. But you're not free from consequence. You're not free from the results of these kinds of things. And people protesting, people not liking what you say. That's as American as apple pie. And that's as American as you getting a chance to say what you want to say. And Netflix paying you like, what was it, $24 million to do your special, which is astronomical. And clearly, he must be bringing in a lot of viewers, a lot of money for him to be paid that much. So you're going to write to, but people have a right to protest. People have a right to be upset with the things that you said. The way you find the middle ground is you come forward and say, all right, let me hear from you. Here's my point of view. And by the other side, the people who are protesting need to clear the space to let Dave speak and get his point. If you keep interjecting and and interrupting him and vilifying him, that there's no fucking progress. If you really want to find the middle ground, it is both people being allowed to speak fully without interruption and hearing both sides. And at some point, you find the middle ground. Maybe to agree to disagree, but at least you've heard each other out. And that's important. Yeah, you know, I mean, I did not watch the entire special. I got mm-hmm. about 15 minutes in and I turned it off because I'm like, hey, this this isn't for me. I, I'm, Which I'm is not, your right to I'm, do. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and it's something that I have done with other comedians who I think are incredibly talented and have put on, put on good shows in the past. I've turned off Bill Burr specials as well. Like, I yeah. think Bill Burr is really funny. Yeah. And his last one, I was like, eh, not for me. Um, so as, as a consumer, that's, that's the power that I have and that's the right that I have. Um, but also I'm not a part of the marginalized community that was the subject Mm -hmm. as well. So, and I think that's where, where we kind of have to take a closer look. It's just like, um, you know, I, I, I don't have, I don't have any trans friends. I don't know any trans people. Mm -hmm. And so it, it probably didn't hit as hard for me as it did for other folks um, who, who, who do have those people that they're close to in their life, that it's not enough to just turn it off. You, you need to go further. Mm-hmm. Um, as to what Ted Sarando said about that, hey, I screwed up, um, that he messed up the internal communication and, and, and everything, um, I think he probably thought what most people assumed was this is going to be uh, news for about 72 mm. hours and right. then it's going to go away. Um, and the fact that it, as Vogel pointed out, it is the, the fires are not just still burning, they're growing. Yeah. And, you know, the world, it's it's a changing place right now. And what was OK before is not OK now. Mm-hmm. Um, and mistakes are going to be made along the way. But I think as you put it, John, I mean, I think the, ultimately that middle ground might just be to agree, agree to disagree. My guess, yeah. and this is, this is just pure conjecture on my part, is that Chappelle probably has no interest in revisiting this subject because he thought his thoughts he left on the stage and that's the end of it like the the likelihood that he's going to engage in any sort of dialogue i think is probably very very low but i could be wrong yeah 
you know, I, he he positions. Look, I love Chappelle. He positions himself, though. The I mean, that special he did about George Floyd that was a really powerful special, moving special, brilliant special. And he he's been positioning himself through all his specials as more than just a comedian. He is moving into the Dick Gregory phase of his career, which is to be activist as well as a comedian and to speak truth to power. And so you can't say, I'm going to do this and then I'll engage on my terms whenever I feel like it. No, there's a responsibility here that if you're going to be an activist, you have to engage in the dialogue, engage in the conversation, not through tweets, not through missives, but actually setting up conversation. I've never seen an issue that can't be discussed by people. And it's so frustrating when people hide away and put up the wall, like Rogan and all that nonsense that they do over the, with their stuff. Like, Oh, you, they make fun of the other side for being offended. Like, fuck you. Like that's such shit to be like, well, fuck your feelings. I'm so cool. Fuck your feelings. Then they go cry about something and his audience is supposed to really care about his feelings. And it's like, well, is it fuck your feelings or is it not fuck your feelings? Like, which is it? And that's the hypocrisy that's constant throughout shit like this with stand-up comics a lot of the time the offense oh they're so they're so soft and it's like no because we can make fun of something with you and you'll cry like a bitch about it too so it just it's just that kind of thing that's like it's sliding scale all the time and the the smarter thing is hey did i offend you all right what did i say well this is where i was coming from what's your issue with well okay i hear where you're coming from but what about this all right well, we're not going to agree, or maybe we do agree, or I see your point. Aww, and that's positive, Johnny, right? I taught you that when we were in London together, when listen. you were mad at Rita. <laughs> I remember teaching you that lesson. Listen, listen, don't start. I've taught you a few <laughs> lessons. I've taught you a few lessons yourself. I, but all right, anyway, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, just to wrap this up, I think I think one of the things like to keep in mind as, you know, as, as tensions flare and people, people get mad and people start arguing about this, I think something that both sides, I want to see if I can say this right. Uh, that both sides need to consider is that if you were deeply offended and angry about what Dave Chappelle said in his act, that doesn't automatically mean that Dave Chappelle is a horrible, horrible stand-up comedian. Right. Yes. Also, If you love Dave Chappelle and think he's the greatest of all time, it doesn't mean he can't make mistakes. I think what happens a lot, and like I said, it happened in our comment chain that we didn't like this act. We think that he was in the wrong here. And it was like, well, why do you hate Chappelle? And I'm like, no, I actually didn't say that. Like, I actually think Dave Chappelle is hugely talented. As John said, the fact that he is kind of positioning himself as someone who is kind of an activist who speaks truth to power gives him a level gives me a level of respect for him but also gives him a greater responsibility in what he says and i still think he's hugely talented you can't take that away from him i think he's wrong here and i think he is mistaken and maybe a little misinformed in the way he speaks about the trans community Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't automatically mean that i think that i'm going to vilify him and make him the worst person in the world and i can never support dave Chappelle or watch anything he does i think part of having that conversation on both sides is being really specific about what you're upset about and not letting that bleed into every other aspect of your uh of your issues with that person Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah Totally. I think maybe I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at about it. Go ahead, <laughs> yell at me in the comments. Let's talk about it. Well, and the other thing is the the memo, the memos that were leaked and everything. We got a glimpse of how much money Netflix is making on these. The Squid Game apparently made like eighty one, eighty six million dollars on a twenty one million dollar investment. That's pretty incredible uh, when you look at it, or twenty four million dollar investment. Pretty incredible stuff. So 
this idea that these streamers get to hide their numbers that really needs to be the like the it goes it needs to go the way of the dodo or the dinosaurs because we you know you want to crow about we need to have access to these numbers so we can have a dialogue and you don't get to control the narrative about your numbers that's ridiculous we need transparency on this and i hope this exposed and i would encourage more people to expose and leak numbers from streaming services so we have a better idea of how they're especially on the heels of the yahtzee strike which was a big part of their anger towards the studios the studios were hiding numbers hiding um uh, these uh these streaming um profits that they were making and how they were making these profits or playing dumb about the profits um so this stuff needs to be exposed i, I think if studios have to do it certainly streamers should have to streaming services should have to do it as well that's just me though now i just we get we get through we get through all the controversy we get through all the hard stuff and you go all right shannon what's next <laughs> yeah shannon what's next the true controversy of this oh, episode is yes. trailers, trailers, oh. trailers. <laughs> three, three very <laughs> different trailers for three very different projects. First, we have an a animated series adaptation of a Marvel comic book, followed by a live action adaptation of an animated series from Japan. And finally, a biopic about a couple of TV actors who you probably know. But let's start back with the first one. We got the first trailer for Hitmonkey. So this is going to be on Hulu. This is from the original creators, are Daniel Ray and Dalibor Talajic. And it has been adapted for Hulu by Josh Gordon and Will Speck. So these guys directed Blades of Glory, uh, Office Christmas Party. This looks like a banana show. I did. I was. I was aware <laughs> of the title. There it is. I was aware of the title, but I really didn't know anything about the book. But it's got Jason Sudeikis, Olivia Munn, George Takai, Fred Tatashore. I mean, it's really, really a, a really crazy property. And just to to give you a little synopsis, tells the tale of a wronged Japanese snow monkey mentored by the ghost of an American assassin as he cuts a wide swath through the Tokyo underworld. Um, watch the trailer. That description does not even do it justice. Um, but gentlemen, what did you both think of the first look at Hulu and Marvel's Hitmonkey? You're the animation expert, Mikey. I mean, it's kind of what you said. It's just batshit insane. I think that what I enjoyed about it was, uh, and I talked about this before, um, I love that we are now living in an era where our animated uh, entertainment is filling all the all available gaps. Um, you know, like for for years and years and years, it was animation was kid stuff, and then Simpsons came along, and followed by Family Guy and King of the Hill and Bob's Burgers, and it was like, oh well, animation is kid stuff, or it's a primetime family sitcom on Fox. Like, those were your two options. And then Adult Swim was like, or you can take a bunch of drugs and watch this stuff. But, like, as we're sort of, like, getting uh, all these streaming services and everything else, you're getting all the, you know, you we're getting Big Mouths. We're getting Lower Decks. We're getting Hit Monkey. We're getting all of these shows uh, that are filling all these different types of genres and really fulfilling the idea that animation is a medium it's not a genre in and of itself animation can be anything and hit monkey is certainly that like it is weird it is crazy 
I knew it was about a monkey hitman. I didn't know the ghost part because I'm not that familiar with this comic. But I think it's like a great, weird, it's a buddy comedy about a fucking monkey and a, and a ghost assassin. Like, that's so weird. Uh, it looks bloody. It looks crazy. But it looks really, 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 really funny as well. It looks like it has that, that you know, to your point about, like, Blades of Glory and Office Christmas Party. Like, it really looks like it has that kind of humor to it. And I'm really excited to see that in a action Marvel animated thing on Hulu. Let's tell the truth here. You've been doing two seasons of the sweetest guy on the planet. You want to let your freak flag fly a little bit. So Jason Sudeikis was like, hell yeah, let me go back. Because, I mean, in, on SNL, his best characters most of the time were a-holes or, or were jerks. And, 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 and I love that. So the fact that he's getting a chance to kind of stretch that muscle a little bit or work that muscle out a little bit voiceover-wise is great. I mean, his little comments, and it's an adjustment to his voice. He's actually doing a character, yeah. which I thought was really great to see as well. And the monkey doesn't speak, so that adds even more of an it's interesting. It's a monkey. It's a monkey, exactly. It's a it's legitimate a monkey. monkey, right? It's not some <laughs> fucking talking monkey. It's 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 it, it doesn't get, kind of suspend your disbelief in that way to make to have a talking monkey. It's a monkey, so it's got to figure it out as it goes along. And. People love monkeys, man. People love monkeys. No matter what it is, people love monkeys. The quote so, of the show. <laughs> people love monkeys. People would be loving them some monkeys. Let me tell you. But like, this is great. This is fun. This has Archer vibes to it. This yeah. has the you know some Reservoir Dogs vibes to it. This has even a little bit of Wolverine vibes to it. So all around, and the, the best of Adult Swim. That those late night 12, 15, 15 minute episodes that you got to watch of multiple different things that were there for only one or two seasons. Uh, and you love like, what's the, what's the one with Assie, Assie McGee, Assie McGee is one of my favorite ever. No one will ever top Assie <laughs> McGee. In my opinion, uh, I picked up the Sanchez. Sanchez. Uh, I was more, I was more of an aqua teen hunger force guy. Yeah. So. ATF is great as well, but also, um, what was the one? What was the weirdo? The guy that was all white, the kind of dad lived in the sewers. I forget that it was a rhyming name. But anyway, they did a bunch of stuff that kind of broke through with adult animation as well, uh, Mike. So you make great points, but there was also that stuff going on Adult Swim. So this feels very much in that Adult Swim vibe for sure. So it makes me very uh, excited to see what we're going to get from Hit Monkey. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Shannon, you're the one yeah. that loved this trailer and pushed out this trailer. So what's your thoughts on it? Oh, 100%. This is just such a weird, <laughs> fun, uh, funny story. I mean, listening to uh, Sudeikis with that, you know, very distinguishable Ted Lasso voice, but he's, yes. but, but he's got a twist on it, having having conversations with a monkey yeah. <laughs> who who ends up wearing a suit and firing a gun. Uh, like it's It's the silliest thing ever, and this is it's silliness that they're totally leaning into i mean this is this is you know this is animation that is made for grown-ups like this is yeah. uh, uh the, the type of thing that if we were back in college be like hey guys let's let's smoke a bowl and watch hip monkey <laughs> why do we have to be back in college for that <laughs> okay <laughs> and i don't smoke bowls at this age i'll, I'll take an edible thank you um i mean okay <laughs> that point. that's a fair point <laughs> i got issues with my lungs but doesn't doesn't this um um doesn't this also i don't know I, oh yeah does, don't you feel that if modok was like this it would have been a lot better like modok i felt like didn't quite a hundred percent although i enjoyed some episodes overall as a series it didn't quite go where it could have gone and if it had this kind of vibe to it i think modok would have gotten more viewers and more attention uh overall you, know, you, think, they the, you think they tiptoed you think they tiptoed 
In oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think so. Absolutely. Giving him the family and having me the, like, I think there could have been ways to play that even with the family that could have been a little more harder edge, a little bit funnier, a little more grittier in its approach. And this looks sarcastic and funny and brutal and gory at the same time. Modak Modok could have totally been that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, you know. I don't think, I don't think with Modok, I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I also don't think with Modok they were, tiptoeing around anything. I think that okay. that was definitely that stupid buddy's vibe, which is who produced the show. Uh, right, right, that, right, right. That, that, um, that, you know, robot chicken kind of humor is yeah. kind of what MODOK was. And I think like that's what they were going for. And, you know, whether you liked it or whether you didn't like it, I think it's great that they let stupid buddies run as far as they did in that direction and that they're letting this show run as far as they want in this direction. Mm, fair. Uh, you know, like different strokes for different folks for right. sure. But uh, I don't think, I don't think it was a matter of like, Ooh, let's, uh, let's make MODOK a little warm and fuzzy. I think that's just the, the direction <laughs> they wanted to go with it. Yeah. Fair point. Well, our right. first episodes of hit monkey drop on Hulu on November 17th. Two days later, we get <laughs> we get Cowboy Bebop, which this one is starring John Cho, Daniela Panetta, and Mustafa Shakir. So, you know, this is an adaptation of the beloved Japanese animated series. So I know nothing about this property. I know the name. I know that it's a space western. Mm. Um, outside of that, I, I, I like John Cho, but I will throw it over to you guys first to get your take on our first look at Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I did a trailer reaction for this. I loved it. Uh, I thought it was a great. I've never seen the series. So I'm catching up and everybody tells me to watch it because it's a Western. It's, you know, kind of cool uh, anime samurai stuff kind of mixed in with the Hitman stuff. So I, I, I loved this trailer. This was, and there wasn't even a trailer. Like it was a unique teaser trailer in that this was kind of a separate mission within two minutes. And I thought that was genius to kind of promote a, uh, uh, an unusual live action adaptation of a pretty beloved anime in this way. So the approach, genius, the colors vibrant, the, the chemistry between the three of them, the witty, snappy dialogue, great, a multicultural cast that works so well, that doesn't make a big deal out of being a multicultural cast. All of it just works so damn well. Inventive, the way they use the walls, the way you had the arm go around the wall. I was like, this is genius. Uh, so uh, from top to bottom, the combination of the 60s, kind of 70s mod squad, super spy vibe, all of it just works really well. And the music was excellent. So I loved it. Mikey? I also am not a huge person uh, in the Cowboy Bebop world. I watched mm. some of it. Um, I working in animation. I've had people over and over and over again be like, "You got to watch it. You got to watch it." So I would. I've always like. I would start it and then I would stop it and then I would start it and get a little bit further. After watching this trailer, I'm like, "Well, shit! I'm sitting down and watching as much <laughs> as I can before November 19th because I'm really I." The trailer struck me so right that it made me want to go do my homework in a way that I've not done my homework yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, so I'll keep you posted on that. But like you guys, like I loved the trailer. I loved the style of it. Uh, I loved the vibe. I loved, I loved how visually uh, arresting it was. Mm -hmm. I got, a, there's the one, and this didn't make me nervous for the trailer. It made me nervous for people's reaction to it, which was I watched it and I was like, this is cool. This is visual. This is sort of like giving me anime come to life vibes in a really cool way that I'm enjoying. It reminds me a little bit of how I felt when I watched the trailer for Scott Pilgrim. Oh shit, is this not gonna do well the way Scott Pilgrim didn't do well? Like that was sort of my like, I was like, oh God, because I remember, I think we've talked about it before, but when we were all at Comic-Con and we saw that screening of Scott Pilgrim and we all came out and we're like, this is movie is gonna make 
billions of dollars. It's so amazing. It was a cinematic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And then it came out and it kind of went like, Pfft. so uh, I am super stoked for this. Um, I literally can't wait to watch it. Like mm-hmm. I, I just love to everything John said, like the way they handled like the shifting of the panels and the, then the throwing the screen around at each other and the screen kept going like back to the right and back to the left. But then when it went like back yeah. in the background, I was like, man, they are just killing me with this. So yeah. if that's any indication of how the show is going to be, not just that device, but that kind of interesting camera work, that sort of really, really uh, dynamic storytelling visually, I'm super, super excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from moment, from frame one of the trailer, it's like, okay, this is a 70s cotton candy infused grindhouse hard-boiled detective detective <laughs> story. I mean, yeah. it's it's so off the wall but so visually arresting right off the bat and yeah it just seems like it's it's gonna be a blast and then again the last shot i mean i knew that people had said it's a it's a it's a space western as they pull out of this very kind of you know urban setting and they pull out and they're on a spaceship it's like holy crap what is this so yes i, I like vogel i am probably going to be doing some homework on cowboy bebop relatively soon before it comes out on netflix november 19th which brings us to our third and final trailer. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> this one is Being the Ricardos, where Nicole Kidman is playing Lucille Ball and Harvey Javier Bardem is playing Desi Arnaz, uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, so when this, the, the first stills, the kind of production stills that came out that showed Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem on set in costume and makeup, um the first thing i thought is they're both so tall um like i don't know how tall lucille ball was i don't think Mm. she was as statuesque as nicole kidman like you can tell it's like the 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 hair and makeup department just from the photos the hair and makeup department clearly did they home did their homework they look amazing they just don't look like lucy and ricky to me at all um but because it is written and directed by aaron sorkin who i enjoy immensely uh, in, including the flaws of his work as well. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy an Aaron Sorkin production, um, but I have some, some you know, I won't say concerns, but I got some thoughts. Uh, but gentlemen, <laughs> what, what did you all think of our first look at being the Ricardos? Mike? Johnny? No, okay, Johnny, all right. Let me tell you. No, uh, I, here's what I'll say. I It's a teaser trailer, so it was... I, I love that they're telling the story because there's so much involved in the story. But when I heard it's only one week out of their lives, then we're just basically getting a window into this relationship, into the show, into the breaking of both color lines and gender lines by this interracial couple in real life, you know, who are married. Um, and they created some incredible Star Trek was created by Desilu Productions. Like it's incredible the shows that they fought for and created and were successful. She is not just a comedian. She's a brilliant businesswoman along with Desi Arnaz. And yeah, there was, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, accusations of infidelity and uh, financial stuff that was going on. So there's stuff behind that. But it seems like the, the film is really focused on showcasing Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. And that's what we're going to get. And we're going to get also a little bit of Javier Dem, a little bit of Desi Arnaz kind of crossing the color barrier and kind of showing that it, it's possible for a couple like this to exist for a Latino to be the lead of a sitcom back in the fifties when that really wasn't done. um, It's great to see that, but as teaser trailer, 
it felt like, and this is Aaron Sorkin, it felt a little bit like maybe lifetimey at certain shots, certain times. I was waiting for uh, Will or, or or Jack to jump in from Will and Grace like they've done before because like hasn't didn't he play one of the Three Stooges and and I think Will Eric McCormack I think played Ricky Ricardo in some previous iteration if I'm not incorrect on that but it's it's kind of an interesting situation and also Shannon you know this. The Lucy, the Lucio balls, they have to go through a crap ton of training and they have to get approved officially by the Lucio ball estate to be an official Lucio ball impersonator. So certainly Nicole Kidman, did she get some favorable treatment here or did she have to go through the same rigors that these other ladies have to go through uh, to become Lucio ball and impersonate Lucio ball? I wonder because neither of them look like the people they're going to be playing so as a trailer uh teased me a little bit uh, about what might be coming but i'm gonna need to see more here uh especially on the heels of mank which was in my opinion an incredible fucking movie i didn't get that vibe fully from this trailer uh mike a couple thoughts uh (laughs) i really like this trailer. i I like this teaser a lot for a couple couple things one um i Although I agree with Shannon that Aaron Sorkin definitely has his flaws, I really enjoy an Aaron Sorkin story. I think mm-hmm. he knows how to tell a story. I think he has he comes in every time with a strong opinion. You might not agree with his opinion. You might not think he sticks a landing, but he comes in with a strong opinion. So if he's deciding that the best way to tell a story about Lucy and Desi is one week in the life and he's going to cover the expanse of what he wants to cover in that, like I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, we'll see what you do. Um, it doesn't bother me that they are taller than Lucy or Desi or like physically, the physicality doesn't bother me. Like it's Javier Bardem and Nicole Kidman. Like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say they got the acting chops. Like to your point about the Lucille Balls at Universal, no offense to any woman who plays Lucille Ball at Universal. I'm sure they are all amazing and I'm glad that they get the, uh, I'm glad they get the approval. I think I'm going to go with the Oscar winning actress and say she's probably can, she probably knows what she's doing here. She can probably (laughs) handle her shit. Um, now, will I like the movie? I might not at all. I might think it totally misses the mark. I might see this and have to be like, you guys were right. I was wrong. I was overexcited. But uh, the stuff that people sort of online as they're looking at this trailer, as look at the photos are nitpicking, like they don't look right. They're too tall. They're this, they're that. It doesn't match perfectly. Her voice isn't this. It's not that. I'm like, it's Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem in an Aaron Sorkin production. Mm. Everybody chill out. I think we should go see this one and see how it is. But I, so I'm, I'm on board for it. I'm into it. I think it looks cool. I can't wait to watch it and argue with you about it or have to eat my words and say that you were right. And it was a piece of stinky Pete. I, I even said that. I'm just saying, I don't know what it's going to be from the teaser trailer. I need to see more because we didn't get any extended looks at them having conversations for like a few, for like 10, 13, 15 seconds. We didn't see it bad. We got shots of Barnett. We got shots of Nicole, but we didn't get them like interacting fully to see both of their interpretations of the characters. So yeah, we got very few. And you know, sometimes when you see a teaser like this and you see them uh, hiding stuff away, you wonder, oh, are they hiding it because it's not good? They're trying to, that's clearly not the case here. Like this trailer is so intentionally not showing you a lot. You get a little bit of Javier as Desi. You get a little bit of Nicole Kidman as Lucy as far as the visuals. You hear Nicole Kidman narrating throughout, but they are very, very clearly here keeping it in reserve 
because I think in their minds, whether they're right or not, uh, they've got something really cool and they're excited to finally like unveil it to everybody. And it finally will be unveiled on December 10th in theaters, followed by December 21st on Amazon Prime. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the hour mark of this show, and we haven't even gotten to our main topic. So clearly we picked some pretty juicy topics. If this is where you jump off, we respect you jump off. No problem, but we're going to jump into it. Don't you go anywhere. Shannon's got a song, and we got more stuff to talk about. Shannon, you got a song? You got? Oh, that's right. He's got to do some some humming. But yeah, we're, we're going to jump into our main topic and get into a little bit of a, a conversation here about these Ruby Rose allegations and about Warner Brothers' responses to them and the overall implications of these uh, accusations and the reaction from everyone involved in, and how it echoes through the industry now. Uh, in so many ways. So we're going to talk about all of that uh, right after this. I can't remember. What is that? I I was trying to do a kiss from a rose. Oh my, what? That seemed way too fast for a kiss from a rose. (laughs) Okay, great, great, great. You were able to pull it out quicker. I was trying to do it when John was talking. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't blame me. It was very I forgot. I forgot. (laughs) I came up with that at the very end. Shannon was doing the EDM version. I was going to do Batman. <laughs> the Dua Lipa version, combining that. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's get into this uh, subject matter here. Uh, Ruby Rose this morning shocked the industry by dropping a series of Instagram stories detailing uh, some of the um, uh, experiences that she had on the set of Batwoman during season one. Uh, she, you know, everyone was pretty shocked when she walked away because it was. The seat that just didn't happen. That doesn't happen at the CW, where the lead of the superhero show uh, walks away from the situation. And there were uh, all kinds of rumors and accusations that people spoke about, kind of on the dirt sheets about what really happened behind the scenes. Uh, and certainly, Ruby Rose um, uh, was allowed to exit gracefully, and WB uh, and uh, CW, sorry, CW. And uh, the, everybody involved in Batwoman uh, said, like, you know, oh, she's, you know, she's, uh, this is her decision. You know, she's leaving on her own volition. Uh, but in, at the time, Ruby Rose said, this was not a decision I made lightly, as I have the utmost respect for the cast, crew, and everyone involved with the show in both Vancouver and in Los Angeles. Well, that has changed her respect for everybody involved with the cast and the crew. So now she's broken her silence. She said, enough is enough. And she went after. CW, uh, she went after showrunner, uh, Batman showrunner Carolyn Drees and Berlanti Productions, Greg Berlanti and Sarah Schechter. She said, I'm going to tell the whole world what really happened on that set. I will come for you. So what happened to me never happens to another person again. And so I can finally take back my life and truth. Shame on you. And this all kind of uh, stems from this accident that she suffered on set. And she claims she was forced to come back to work after 10 days and was guilted into coming back to work after 10 days uh, because she claims that she was told uh, that, uh, that many people would be out of a job. The CW would add millions of dollars. It would cause all kinds of problems. Peter Roth is the person she accuses of threatening her with this. Uh, she also uh, claimed that Peter Roth, she accused Roth of inappropriate behavior with a bizarre claim that he'd asked women to steam his pants while he was wearing them. 
I want to say this real quick as an editorial note. That's not unheard of in Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. I We know someone who was an assistant to someone who requested that they measure them for pants while they were wearing them and took his pants off to be measured. So it's not unheard of to see this happening. So whatever your feelings about, about that. But he, she also alleged that, uh, that uh, Rose was investigated, that Ruby Rose was investigated by a private investigator after she left the series. Um, but a, a source close to the, to, the, uh, to the production company, or to the production rather, says the accusations against Roth uh, are slanderous and unfounded. And then Ruby Rose went after Dugray Scott, who should have been Wolverine. Dugray Scott, who played her dad on the show, she said, as Warner Brothers Televisions has stated, they decided not to exercise the... Oh, sorry. She said that she, she accused him, rather, of misconduct on the set, including allegedly being abusive to women and hurting a female stunt double. Dugray Scott responded, as Warner Brothers Television has stated, they decided not to exercise the option to engage Ruby for season two of Batwoman based on multiple complaints about her workplace behavior. We're going to get to that in just a second. I absolutely completely refute the defamatory and damaging claims made against me by her. They are entirely made up and never happened. Rose went on to detail unsafe working conditions on the set, including serious injuries to a Batwoman crew member who apparently received third-degree burns over his whole body. And then she claimed that people should have gotten therapy who witnessed this burning and she blamed the working conditions for causing serious injuries to other crew members. She concluded by asking fans to stop asking if she if they would ever return if she would ever return to the show. She says, "I wouldn't return for any amount of money, nor if a gun were to my head. Nor did I quit. I did not quit. They ruined Kate Kane and they destroyed Batwoman, not me. I followed orders. And if I wanted to stay, I was going to have to sign my rights away. Any threats, any bullying tactics, or blackmail will not." make me stand down and this was the response from warner brothers despite the revisionist history that ruby rose is now sharing online aimed at the producers the cast and crew the network and the studio the truth is that warner brothers television had decided not to exercise its option to engage ruby for season two of batwoman based on multiple complaints about workplace behavior that were extensively reviewed and handled privately out of respect for all concerned Lady uh, Mike and uh, Shannon, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening and watching right now, this is a quagmire of stuff where both sides seem to be claiming some pretty extreme behavior uh, about each other. Uh, and um, she followed up with something else here. And I, maybe I should add this for context uh, real quick, what she said about uh, uh, what she wrapped up this comments, these comments saying because uh, this was uh, apparently a production that she was involved in, did not go. She says at the end, she wrapped this up by saying, um, uh, I, if I don't say something, then what am I really saying? This isn't just for me. This could, po this could possibly end my acting career, but it was already ended when I could no longer open up a script without a panic attack. And she says, uh, I mean, listen, maybe part of the timing was after being attached to WB's Meg the past three years and having developed Jax, J-A-X-X, from scratch with John, a character, an IP, and franchise I loved so much, so much, having the fans constantly ask when we start shooting as they constantly posted pictures of Jax, only to be told I was cut a month ago, hence why I was growing my hair out for Jax and then chopped it. With no explanation, people forget Meg was the number one film in the world. When I joined Batwoman, I was not in a career lull, and she says she's not doing this because, quote, work has dried up. So Mike and Shannon... What are your thoughts about this? This is a lot, a lot to consume. 
Oh, I took Dave Chappelle. You go with this, Shannon. You wrote <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair, I think. Shannon? I think at the end of the day, this is something that we will never know what actually happened. Because as of right now, yeah. um, both sides seem to have really dug in their heels on their version of events. Yeah. Um, now, when she exited the series, like I, and again, Vogel would probably be able to speak to this better than I could, but when one is wrapping up a series under not the best circumstances, my guess is that some sort of NDA would be filed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, hey, we're not going to talk about this. We, we, you know, we've settled our differences. We're going our separate ways. Um, I'm curious why she chose now. Is it was there an expiration she, date on it, that NDA? In her follow-up comments, she said she chose this now to speak about this because of the Yahtzee, uh, um, uh, Yahtzee rather um, uh, negotiations that she right. felt because people are complaining about work the set and the behaviors and what people have to endure on sets as production staff. She was saying, this is what motivated me to finally speak out. That's what she claims. I mean, as, as to the claim that a a crew member suffered third degree burns, Mm. you would think, and and again, I don't follow Batwoman. So maybe this story, maybe this story was out, but I would think that there would have been some, some press written about an incident Mm. like that because that's no that's no small thing for someone uh to get to get that injured i mean granted like when she when she was injured we found out about that because she's the lead of the show but um i i would think that if something had happened to a crew member that was that extreme um that that there would have been some some print about it the accusations at do gray scott um at the other creative, you know, the creative folks that are involved. I mean, it seems like you've got you've got her on one side saying one thing, WB and everyone else on the other side saying another. Now, yeah. this follows on the heels of everything that happened with Ray Fisher. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, you know, the only thing, if more stuff comes out, it's, it's all going to be time. Like, at some point... Because based off of the tone of WB's response, it certainly doesn't seem like any sort of investigation is going to be launched. It sounds like whatever whatever transpired has already transpired. So, right. again, it just seems like something that we're probably never really going to know what happened. But yeah. who knows? Yeah, Mike, she was the subject of an internal probe into bad behavior allegations by the studio with two sides ultimately opting to part ways. That's according to Deadline. Mike, this feels like a terrible relationship, right? If you want to boil it down, these are two people that, well, a a production and a star that maybe should have never been together. Uh, And now they're just, it's a scorched earth. Yeah, I mean, look, Shannon's right. I mean, the simple answer is we'll never really know. Mm. What I find interesting is what I usually try and do in a situation like this is you just like, you start to line up the stuff that you know is true on both sides. Like, It is true that she did have an injury on set. Yes. I mean, that is a, that we know that happened. Uh, Both sides, you know, when she left, I think it was decided upon both sides that they would say that she was stepping away. Uh, Both sides now have corroborated that she was fired. You know, she said she did not quit. Warner Brothers has come out and said, you're right. You did not quit. We let you go after this investigation. Like, we didn't want you. So she did have a back injury. 
you know, just from things that you hear around the industry from friends, it was a it was a very like troubled shoot, uh, yeah. not enjoyable for anyone. Uh, from what I understand, from either not enjoyable for Ruby Rose clearly, but also not enjoyable for anyone else working on the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she was fired. So we know those things are true. Everything else is all conjecture on both sides and we probably will never know the truth. I do think, you know, when you when you compare it to like the Ray Fisher of it all or any of these other things that come up in Hollywood, like look, most of the things we hear about in Hollywood uh, where there was blow-ups on set or so-and-so was mean to so-and-so or the studio fucked over these people in this way or that, like just like with the Scarlett Johansson Black Widow thing, like you kind of at the end of the day either people stop talking to each other and they don't work together or they make up and have like a statement that comes out that says, we all agree that we're excited about working together in the future. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, fuck, we'll never know. But I do think one of the sure signs uh, – is listening to what the other people around you say. I think what we've seen time and again, with Ray Fisher included, is when you come out and you go, you know, it's David versus Goliath, you stand up to the studio, you stand up to the big director, you stand up to the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, like take your pick of whatever it is. If other people come forward to support you, if other people come forward and corroborate, um, when all the Joss Whedon stuff happened, you had people from Buffy and Spike and everybody Mm -hmm. be like, yep, yeah, that is how he was. So we all kind of know now, as much as we will probably ever know, that Joss Whedon probably is kind of a dick on set because yeah. enough people have said it. It's not one person. It's not one person versus Joss Whedon. It's one person and several other people. Gal Gadot, like everyone else, going like, yeah, wasn't ideal. Yeah. So you sort of are like, all right, I'm painting a picture of what I know. So what will be interesting to see with this, Ruby Rose, when you read her Instagram story. Um, She's like, look, uh, the crew liked me. I supported them. It was the it was the producers. It was this. They were horrible. Well, look, if a bunch of crew people come out and say, yeah, Ruby Rose was right. Yeah, that person did get burned. Yeah, that was pretty fucked up. And we start hearing those. You're like, okay, well, I think that's true. If you don't hear any of that, it doesn't mean that Ruby Rose is a liar. It doesn't mm. mean that Ruby Rose is wrong. I'm not. I don't know that we'll ever know. I don't know that I can say that she's the aggrieved party or the not aggrieved party here. But to me, um, there's there's more validity when more people step up. So that's kind of what I'm waiting to see. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, but it's tough in this situation, right? Because you wonder, even though even those negotiations worked out and hopefully IATSE got what they wanted for their members and what have you, um, Will these, I mean, there's, you know, Mike, you, you, you've you worked on sets, you know, you worked on in productions and, and Shannon, I'm sure you have as well. Like, you, you know, you can't speak out of turn. You can lose the job and that gets spread around. And maybe this is where, and look, speculation, my opinion, maybe this yeah. is where she's really coming from. Yeah, maybe the work hasn't dried up, but she's quoting the doorman as if that's a big, that movie was terrible. I had to interview, I was very lucky to interview Jean Reno. I had to watch that thing. It was a horrible movie. She's not a good actress. She's not. I don't care. I, I. It's nothing to get. She's an LGBTQ representative, and I respect that a thousand percent. Go and get your money. Go and be successful as a DJ. Go do your thing. Some people can't do everything. She's not a good actress, and so maybe she's fa- having these projects dry up because she's not that good. Maybe she thinks it's because people are talking and this investigation and the internal investigation. Like you know, because people talk, people spread rumors in Hollywood all the time. Everybody knows that. And maybe she felt, well, this is a way to fight back against it. This is a way to, I'm going to speak my truth and put it out there. Ray Fisher did it. I'm going to do it and put it out there and see what the reaction is. And I hope, and maybe she, maybe she's right. And, and her uh, point of view on this is right. And people will come forward to corroborate. But 
I'm not going to hold my breath because these people need to work. And you know, once it gets around that you talk about this stuff or talk about internal stuff, look what happened to Netflix. We talked about it earlier on the show. Like people can suspend you or fire you possibly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. But I think almost two that. So two things, yeah. uh, one Ruby Rose being a bad actress. Uh, if you think she is, does not actually support or deny the fact that she was treated good or bad. Absolutely. Like you and I'm be, not saying you that. Could and be, I'm not you, could saying. Be the, you could be the best actress in the world yes. and have everyone treat you shitty. You could be the worst yep. actress in the world and have everybody treat you shitty. So I understand your point and I understand yeah. the point you're making, but it's kind of like to me, like that's a, well, okay, that's neither here nor there. Like however things went down on the Batwoman set is how they went down on the Batwoman set. Maybe people were frustrated because they weren't getting the performance they wanted out of her and that added to the environment. But it still is, if it was a toxic work environment, it was a toxic work environment. Right. Or yeah. if it wasn't and she was the problem, then she was the problem. Yeah. Um, as far as people talking, look, you're right. Everyone is scared. But it is a sure thing that when things – uh, the White House – as an example, um, yeah, I'm going to go to the White House now. All right, shocked you Is with it that one. Controversial enough? Let's go to the I, White House. I zigged when you thought I was going to zag. Uh, in most White Houses, Republican or Democrat, so this is not a partisan thing. Right. In most White Houses, uh, you get maybe a leak here and there, but it's pretty locked down. Like people, pretty much, like you don't get a ton of leaks. During the Trump administration, the thing was leaking like the Titanic. There were so many people coming out and talking, and regardless of your opinions of anything political, it was clear that that was not a enjoyable working environment yeah. for people. And when people were that unhappy, they were willing to talk. And so, again, to my point, if Ruby Rose is more in the right than the wrong, and it was that bad of an environment, and people were that unhappy, I would, and again, it, this is not proof neither way, but I would assume you would have more people coming out regardless of potential repercussions, just like with Netflix, mm -hmm. and saying, repercussions be damned, I'm really, a, I, I'm gonna support this, she's speaking the truth, it was horrible. And if they don't, while it doesn't mean that she's wrong, it makes me less inclined to think that there's as much there there. That's just my personal opinion. Fair enough. Shannon? Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about that. Uh, there's a point of view that projects are drying up and that this is sort of, again, a, a shoot your shot moment of like, mm -hmm. eh, let me let me do something to get back into the public eye. Right. Um, I mean, she literally mentions the projects that she was just kicked off of a month ago. So, yeah. So, I mean, again, there's certainly validity to that claim when you look at when you look at what has happened like yes you are the, these things have gone away the, yeah. these opportunities have gone away for you um that she can point to what has happened in the past and be like this is the reason this is happening or if that's not the reason if if they just went away or they got rid of her because of just creative differences we just decided well we don't want we don't want ruby to play this role anymore mm. that there is motivation to be like well this will get me back in the public spotlight i have no idea which is the case or if right. either is the case maybe someplace in the middle um but yeah i mean I, I i tend to agree with vogel like if more people do start to kind of come out of the woodwork hmm. um then there's certainly there, there's certainly more support to what she's saying but i get what you're saying that you know these you know below the line workers you don't necessarily yeah. want to risk your career for someone that you worked with uh, on a season of television. Yeah. 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 People, people get real, you know, people have long memories 
and especially in this town, you know, no matter what, people have long memories in this town. Look, I mean, it's just terrible all around. I mean, you know, because she, her point of view is very much she's the victim here from beginning to end. There and the only time she mentions, I think, from what I'm reading, from what I've read, and all her stuff here, the only time she mentions that she has any complicity in what happened was uh, when she says, uh, "I also had to look at people responsible and who contributed to this, like myself." And when she's, but the way she says it is, she says, "Why didn't I stand up for myself? Why didn't I sue? Why didn't I get a lawyer? Why didn't I fight? I was tired. I might look tough, play tough characters, but I'm very human and very sensitive, and do not like conflict. I was also afraid, deeply afraid." So. I respect that. I was afraid, deeply afraid. Why wouldn't you be? It's your first time being the lead of a huge show. You're a DJ who's making this trend. I think model as well, who's making this transition into acting. What do you know about leading a show? It might have been very overwhelming, the whole experience, where to go. But to say the only reason, I, the only way I'm complicit is because I didn't fight for myself, that's absolutely removing so much of where you might have had some issues you might have you know encouraged the toxicity you might have had battles with people on set yourself so if you're going to ask everyone else to take responsibility i think you have to also take responsibility for some of the things that you said and it paints you in a way better light to say i need to take responsibility for the fact that i didn't fight more i didn't stand up for myself i didn't go get a lawyer that makes you look like a hero it, the noble it doesn't make you look like you had any uh you contributed any way to the toxicity on the set so and you wonder Mike and Shannon, why would WB launch a probe into her behavior if she's the lead of one of their shows? Like, what's the level that had to happen here for them to launch a probe? So you have to ask these questions. Was this their way of getting out of this situation and they, and they manufactured claims? Is that a possibility? Or were there real claims made? You speak about people coming forward. I want the people to come forward who made claims against Ruby Rose on the set. I want to hear from them. If, if people are going to come forward, come forward and support and also come forward and, and tell us if those were actual real claims. If people start to come forward and say, well, I was forced to say these things or WB made me make these claims, then that really turns everything around on this um, overall. But this is her truth, and you have to respect that. And WB has their truth, and you have to respect that as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one of those things that we're, we are more than likely never going to know. Yeah. And also, it's like, and also the, and also like the truth of it is, uh, you know, as everybody who's like a huge Ruby Rose, it's like, it's not the Chappelle situation, but like, it's the same type of thing is that there's a bunch of people that are going to flock to Ruby Rose's defense and be like, that's fucked up. She was so wronged. Warner Brothers is a horrible, horrible place. Fuck all those people. And then the people who are like, Ruby Rose was trying to get attention. Her career's not going well. Mm. She's coming after Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers had a probe. They did everything right. And those are the two sides are gonna like yeah. get in their corners and just scream at each other. And again, the truth is, is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know, I think that the truth is that it clearly wasn't a great situation and probably Ruby Rose being overwhelmed by being the lead of the show, which is what she says in her story, mm-hmm. uh, contributed to a lot of that. Uh, and then maybe Warner Brothers or and Warner Brothers, not as a giant entity, but individual producers, individual executives, individual people, maybe yeah. not handling themselves right or handling her in the right way at times. And I think it was probably a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And yeah. it was one of those fucked up situations that just was never meant to be. Yeah. That's what it feels like it boils down to a terribly bad breakup, you know, and that's what happens. You talk each, each side talks shit about the other person in a terribly bad breakup. Cause it wasn't the right connection. 
you know, for whatever reason. So, uh, and like Shannon said, we'll probably never know the full truth uh, in the end, but certainly a lot of drama here with this situation, right? As season three is about to premiere with Jacevia Leslie. Uh, take, and she did say, please do not tweet at Jacevia. Don't tweet at anybody else. She was very clear about that in her follow-up statement. Ruby Rose did to kind of be like, you know, don't talk about them, but how can you not? People are going to, and certainly reporters are trying to get that scoop or get that quote for their story. So, um, all right. I think that's a good way to end. Uh, I think this is, you know, I think it's the right time to end this show here. Thank you all so much for watching this kind of uh, intense, um, but also fun uh, uh, episode of Geek Buddies. Mikey, would you say intense and fun? What would you say? I'm going to go light a cigarette as soon as we get off this <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go get a, a drink myself for sure. Uh, but we appreciate it badly that you guys watch or listen to us. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? If you like controversy, hard-hitting geek stories, and trailers, 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 we got a little bit of everything for you here at the Geek Buddies. Uh, and we love doing it. We want to keep doing it. So here's how you can help us out. Um, smash that like button right there, I believe. Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page over there. Leave us comments down there. Um, we talked about a lot of hot button issues this week, so I am sure there are going to be a whole lot of opinions. And boy, we sure do love checking those out. Uh, and uh, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere, take a quick minute to leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. Uh, and of course, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, clip out your favorite bit, send it to your friends, whatever you want to do. But just tell people to check out the Geek Buddies because uh, we love the Geek Nation getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, we love chatting with all of you guys. We think it's super fun. We love having like a fun and friendly place where we can all disagree and argue about geek shit but at the end of the day we're all buddies that's why we're here truth truth and i'll say thanks to everybody ahead of time who's going to vilify me in the comments i appreciate that's always fun to know that you always take michael's side on these arguments that's always fun to read by the way he's been dealing with it for 20 years he can deal with it for 20 more it's fine so true so true uh all right well thank you all so much for joining us we appreciate it madly and we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode here from the geek buddies Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? 
then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.